Grace, peace, and mercy be upon you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Lord, remember not the sins of my youth nor my many transgressions, even the ones from when I was in my 30s. When we were uh, living in England, my work center on the base was right on the flight line where planes could taxi by and park. And being a Royal Air Force installation, the, the Brits were in charge of their own maintenance and construction. So for a time, there was some, some renovations going on on the concrete out in front of where I worked. And so there were these civilian contractors out there. And there was a foreman came to see me and said, look, we're doing this and that. And you can't park your cars here. You've got to park cars over there. And we're going to be doing this and that. And yeah, 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 I'm trying to follow this guy. And he's telling me everything that's going on. And so, okay, everything's good. I, I, he goes where he's going, I go back into my shop, and an hour later, I get a phone call, and I didn't recognize the voice, it was another Brit, and uh, he's like, hey, uh, yeah, you know, were you talking to somebody a while ago? I was like, yeah, I was talking to a, a foreman out there, and he's like, okay, well, what did he say? I'm like, I, I don't know, remember, he's like, who was it? And this guy's grilling me, and I said, I said, I don't know who it was, I didn't get a name, it was just a short, bald guy, and he said, yeah, that was me, mate. <laughs> I said, well, look, no offense, he's like, none taken. You know, have you ever talked with someone uh, about another person and it turns out the person you're talking about is the person in front of you yeah. or on the phone? Yeah. Ugh. Well, the Samaritan woman in our text from John is in a similar situation. She's talking about somebody and the person she's talking about is sitting there right in front of her. Unlike my scenario, however, and maybe those you've had, it isn't a case of her saying something like, my people and I are waiting for a dashing, handsome king, all buffed up and ready, to, ready for battle to free us from Roman tyranny. And Jesus says, yeah, lady, that's me. <laughs> you know, you know, there are more surprising things in this account from John. Way more surprising than Luke Skywalker's reaction when he finds Ben Kenobi. Right? We've got some Star Wars fans here. Remember that scene in Star Wars? where Luke finally meets Ben Kenobi for the first time. At 12 years old, I knew there was something wrong with the scene because, you know, Luke and the robot, the droids, you know, they've come all this way. They're looking for the mysterious Ben Kenobi. They almost get killed in the process. And finally, he shows up and reveals himself. I'm the one you're looking for. And Luke's like, oh, well, then these robots do belong to you. It's like, no, he should have been surprised. You should have been like, you're Ben Kenobi. You're the one we've been looking for. Nothing. Bad writing. Look, John, however, points out several surprises in this scene of the Samaritan woman at the well. The nighttime account of Nicodemus and Jesus comes just before this reading in John. And, and we've recently looked at that one, right? This last Wednesday or the Sunday before. It's no coincidence that these two things are backed up against each other. Nicodemus, the learned ruler and scholar of the Jews, well, he's no evangelist after talking with Jesus. In the dark of night, he can't wrap his mind around being born again of water and the Spirit. But in broad daylight, this Samaritan woman will be just the opposite of Nicodemus. She will believe, and she's not going to be afraid to tell others what she sees and hears from Jesus. In fact, she can't contain her amazement about him. It's not in our reading today, but if you, some of you know the story. It, it, it goes on. She goes back to her village, 
and tells people, and they are amazed, and they, they come to faith. Now, every Bible study and popular commentary there is on this planet about this text points out that the women from the nearby village would get their water from this well in groups at night because it's cool at night, and, and they go in groups because it's a social thing. The fact that the Samaritan woman is there alone in the heat of the day means she's a bad woman and that either people don't want to be around her or she doesn't want to be around anyone else. I mean, that's well established and not all that surprising. What's surprising here is Jesus asking her for a drink. He could have drawn from the well himself. That is, if he had remembered his canteen. Apparently, he didn't have anything with him. She, she notices that. He, could, uh, he probably left his uh, collapsible leather bucket with his disciples who went into town to buy food. So he needs the woman to help him get a drink. And this drink isn't just to start a conversation. He's actually thirsty. And he should not be talking to a woman who isn't related to him. I mean, this is a big taboo in this faraway culture. You just don't talk to a woman who is a stranger let alone talk to her when no one else is around. Not only that, Jesus is ignoring a 500-year-old grudge between Jews and Samaritans. Now, that's a whole other story that we don't have time for, but the text itself is enough for us to go on because John says, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. It's all you need to know, I guess. It's surprising Jesus doesn't establish a relationship with this woman by explaining and going on and on about how she needs him as her personal savior and all of that. He needs her to give him a drink. That's surprising. This is the creator and king of the universe and everything in it, emptying himself before one of his created people, saying, I am weak and need help. Give me a drink. He is a true servant because he was at the mercy of that woman he came to save. And as his disciples, we must share in his, in his weakness. You know, the government serves people from a position of power. But Christians serve people from a position of weakness. Daniel Niles, a Christian theologian in Sri Lanka, writes about this. He says, one of the features of the life of the Christian community in the Middle East and Asia is the number of services it runs, such as schools, hospitals, orphanages, and farms. These are avenues of Christian service, but they are also sources of secular strength because they offer support and employment and they make money. The result is the unchristian part of the community looks on the church with jealousy and fear and sometimes suspicion. The only way to build, love, to build love between these two groups is to be so related to each other as to stand in need of each other. The weakness of the church mirrored on Jesus is its inner strength. Well, as much as we Americans like to complain about our own government, it does have this concept in place. There are tax breaks for churches because presidents and lawmakers going back to the very beginning have understood that this country needs the beneficence of the Christian community. But, just like overseas, 
there are people here in this country who are jealous of that and they are suspicious of the church and lobby for those tax breaks to be abolished. But I want to get on to more of the surprises in this scene before my time is up. Another surprise here is the gift of God is a person and not a scroll or a book. You see, for this Samaritan woman and her people, as it was also for the Jews, the gift from God was a scroll or scrolls, the Torah, the prophets, and the Psalms. For example, the scroll of Isaiah that promised that one day the Messiah would come, well, that was what this Samaritan woman was looking forward to as well as what the Jews were looking forward to. Well, here was the Messiah on that day sitting right in front of her. He doesn't hand her a scroll and say, here's my gift to you. Read it and have life. No, he said in so many words, here I am. I'm the gift for you. Which goes along with another surprise here. Jesus doesn't argue with the woman about who the well belongs to. He could correct her and say, this well belongs to the Jews because you Samaritans are not worshiping God as he is instructed. And he would have been right about that, but he doesn't go, he doesn't go there. He goes right to the matter of the water that quenches all thirst forever and becomes a spring of everlasting life, welling up, overflowing. He's talking about himself, of course. But at this point, the woman can only hear the first part about taking a drink of water and never being thirsty again. You know, she'd be glad to take a magical drink that'll take the load off her shoulders, as we would also, if we could. You know, give us a religion that'll ease our pain and make us feel good. Give us something that'll lift our anxiety. Give me a religion for my kids that'll make them turn out well. Give me something to save my marriage or save me from myself. But religion only produces a product. God produces the gift of himself for you. Now, the woman will come around because there's more discussion. There's more surprises coming. Need I mention the part where Jesus tells the woman to go get her husband? You know, I mean, this is, the, this is the part where the woman gains a new understanding about herself and Jesus. Now she knows that this isn't just some guy saying interesting things. He is from God because he knows everything about her. She's embarrassed at this unexpected exposure of her lying and her so-called husband and past husbands. She's, she wants to get Jesus off the subject. So she tries to divert him by talking about the differences between her people and the Jews and where the Jews say they'll worship and where the Samaritans say they worship. She thinks this topic will get Jesus off the spotlight off of her and her lying and her husband's. But Jesus surprisingly engages her on the topic of the Jews and her people. And he treats her as a serious theologian. He teaches her that it won't matter where people worship God, whether it's on a mountain or in the temple in Jerusalem. People will worship the Father from all corners of the earth in spirit and truth. Those are the kinds of people he's looking for. 
The next surprise comes when she talks about the person who promises all this, and he says, it's me. I'm the one. (laughs) The big reveal. And just then, the disciples arrive from their shopping trip and interrupt the whole thing. Don't you just hate it? When you're conversing with someone, and you're just getting to the good part, and the phone rings, or the doorbell rings, a child starts crying, a meteor crashes through the roof. You know, somebody butts in and ruins it. It's like that here in this scene. The disciples show up and butt in and ruin the story. What's her reaction? We want to know what she says and what she thinks when Jesus says, I am he. I'm the one you're waiting for. We don't get that. But what we get is another surprise. We get the appearance of the first Christian woman evangelist or preacher, if you will. Because she goes back to her town and tells people what's happened. She goes and tells people who know about her, right? She's the unsavory one in the town, but people listen to her, and they believe. And that community becomes one of the first Christian communities in Samaria. This unnamed woman goes to the well seeking water, just regular water, and comes back with divine living water and gives it to more people. It it is utterly astounding. If the Samaritan woman at the well puts you to sleep, or you've heard it so many times, it's Dullsville, man, you're missing out on a gift from God. These two kinds of drink in this scene are for you to ponder and consider your own state of being. Because you and I come together at this well, thirsty, with our dried up, shriveled leather water buckets, but walk out of here with living water on our hearts and minds and on our lips. We are refreshed, forgiven, loved, protected, and ready to give an account of our faith when the time comes. So, to recap these surprises, if I can remember all of them, Jesus empties himself, At the well, to the extent he needs this immoral foreign woman's help? What a surprise. In the process, he elevates her status as the first woman to spread the good news that the promised Messiah is here and there is forgiveness and everlasting life. Don't let anyone tell you that the Bible oppresses women and all that stuff. The women are the first to go and tell others about the Lord. The gift God gives us is a person. Jesus Christ, not another set of laws or scrolls. The social separation between men and women, Jew and other, is destroyed. That's a surprise. True worship of the Father is in spirit, and not by just going through the motions from some certain location, like a mountain or a temple. The two kinds of drink, water for physical sustenance, and spiritual fulfillment are emphasized here by John for your benefit. So may it be so for you, and may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.